Hey, welcome to Socialism for All. This file is being recorded for the February 2023 edition of Socialism for All. And it's an audiobook and discussion of the basic revolutionary attitude from lesson one of activist study, Arlang Activista. If you like this video, please click like and subscribe and consider supporting on Patreon at patreon.com slash socialism for all. There's a link to Patreon in the video description. So activist study is published by Foreign Languages Press and it was created for Filipino communists in preparation for revolutionary work. It consists of a foreword and four lessons. We'll be doing each lesson in a separate video. This video is from lesson one, and we're just covering the basic revolutionary attitude because the five golden rays, which are five classic short articles by Mao Zedong, are already up on the YouTube channel Socialism for All, you can find a playlist of the five golden rays. They consist of the articles Serve the People, The Foolish Old Man Who Removed the Mountains, In Memory of Comrade Norman Bethune, Combat Liberalism, and On Correcting Mistaken Ideas in the Party. So we've already covered those. We're just going to do the basic revolutionary attitude in this video, and then we will follow up with separate videos covering Lesson 2, Revolutionary Study and Proper Analysis, Lesson 3, The Mass Line, and Lesson 4, Democratic Centralism, and the committee system. So you can download all of this for free at the website foreignlanguages.press. Thanks to them and everyone involved in producing this. So let's begin. On basic revolutionary attitude. 1. Why is the question for whom the most important and key issue every revolutionary faces? We come from the different corners of the city and the countryside, united for a single revolutionary cause. But what is our cause? No other cause but to liberate the people from imperialism, feudalism, and bureaucrat capitalism. Each of us is aware of the concrete conditions of the Filipino people. We have joined a revolutionary organization and are participating in the revolutionary movement to contribute to the achievement of the people's struggle to attain national liberation and democracy. The question for whom is a matter of basic revolutionary standpoint. Are we for the broad masses? the more than 70 million Filipinos who are exploited and oppressed? Or are we for the few foreign imperialists, local comprador bourgeois, and the landlords who exploit and oppress? If we clearly answer the question, for whom, all endeavors, thinking, and work can focus for the service of the people and to the overall effort to weaken and destroy the enemy. As revolutionaries, our thoughts, feelings, and actions are fully focused on achieving genuine freedom of our nation, and democracy for the broad masses of Filipino people. In our every moment, every action, the revolutionary's response to the question for whom is only one, for the oppressed and exploited masses. This is the core of the revolutionary standpoint. 2. Why must one always be considerate about the interests and welfare of the people and commit wholehearted service to them? We can wholeheartedly serve the people if we always consider the welfare of the people ahead of ourselves and the suffering of the overwhelming majority in our heart, and by nurturing deep contempt against the people's enemies. We must always strive to make sure that the basic standpoint on basic issues and on actions is always for advancing the interests of the people and in weakening the enemy at all times. We must be diligent in learning the problems and conditions of the masses and firmly linking and uniting with them in order to raise their consciousness and advance the building of their power and organization and the victory of their struggles. Wholehearted service to the people also means eradicating individualism and eradicating narrow-mindedness 
and self-interest in favor of the general interests or interests of the majority. Whenever individualism prevails, a person always prioritizes benefiting oneself or a small group and will set aside or subordinate the interest of the majority. Individualism not only serves one's own ego, but also the interests of the reactionaries who maintain and benefit from the exploitative and oppressive system. 3. Why must every revolutionary cultivate the attitude of ceaseless and all-out effort in pushing the correct line of the people's democratic revolution? The masses carry the massive burden of imperialism, feudalism, and bureaucrat capitalism. The ruling class is doing everything they can to stay in power in order to keep their status as exploiters and oppressors of the people intact. Only through revolution can the broad masses of the people free themselves from the three basic problems. History proves that the masses are the genuine heroes. Revolution is no less than a hugely violent and decisive action of the masses to overthrow the rule of the exploitative and oppressive classes in order to establish the power of the people. No revolution has ever occurred where the masses aren't the main motive forces in dismantling the ruling class. The strength and wisdom of the masses are the core foundation for building the new society. They genuinely make history. We must arouse the masses and raise their political consciousness. We must explain to the masses that the three basic problems are the real root of their suffering and that their liberation can only be achieved through united action. We must patiently explain to them the line of the people's democratic revolution so that it continually garners increasing people's support. Thus, it cannot be easily crushed nor defeated by the reactionaries. With the effort of propagating this line and in strengthening the confidence of the people in its correctness, we are certain of the victory of the revolution. This is the way by which we awaken and unite the masses to our side, for them to participate in and give all they can to the liberation of the people from the three basic problems. No matter how large and strong the enemy is, they will assuredly be overpowered by the unity of the people. We must relentlessly unite and build up the strength of the people's democratic revolution until victory. This is the key message in the article, The Foolish Old Man Who Removed the Mountains. 4. Why do we need to conduct self-remolding as revolutionaries? As revolutionaries, we have a duty to focus our minds, emotions, and actions to the basic interest of the Filipino people. But we all still possess ideas, habits, and practices widespread in the current rotten society. We grew up in a society dominated by oppressors and exploiters. Until now, we are continually influenced by the rotten ideas of the current society. Thus, it is every revolutionary's duty to conduct self-remolding. We change ourselves through active revolutionary work and conscious struggle against our wrong ideas, habits, and behavior. By continuing to do revolutionary tasks and always being cautious of our own weaknesses and mistakes, we can mold ourselves in the midst of the storm of struggle against the enemies of the Filipino people. We shall become stronger, overcome our weaknesses, and become more correct and more efficient in advancing the revolution. Self-remolding cannot be accomplished in just a few hours or several days. This is a long and complex struggle. A continuous struggle and rejection of the remaining influences of the rotten system is needed. Thus, we become more correct and efficient in revolutionary work, and we can steal our determination to strive for the struggle to advance the people's democratic revolution until victory. We conduct self-remolding so that we can cultivate the fundamental revolutionary attitude to further effectively serve the masses and fruitfully contribute to the revolution. Every revolutionary should, one, wholeheartedly serve the masses and always strive to be close to the masses, 
Two, always be ready and have no fear for sacrifice and death. Three, be serious, rigorous, and diligent in studying and performance of duties. Four, always strive for unity and warmth with fellow revolutionaries. Five, be open to receiving criticisms and be ready to rectify weaknesses and mistakes. And six, be internationalist. Section five, how do revolutionaries value duties and tasks for the revolution? The revolutionaries value their tasks and duties and the revolution to the fullest. They know that revolutionary tasks and duties are part of the great mission to liberate the people from the clutches of exploitation and oppression. The revolutionaries value their tasks and duties to the fullest by upholding the revolutionary interest of the Filipino people. What are the signs that revolutionaries value their tasks and duties to the fullest? They are serious and diligent in attending to their work. They are always enthusiastic and eager to take action. They are always ready to accept any task necessary for the advancement of the revolution. The revolutionaries are serious in their work. For them, their main priority is always attending to revolutionary activities and duties. They are neat and orderly in their work, not prone to careless and reckless action. They study and look for ways to solve problems and perform work in the best way. The revolutionaries are enthusiastic and energetic in their actions. They are forward-thinking. Every movement and every step forward is a contribution to the bright future. They never feel demoralized, depressed, or lose confidence in the midst of facing problems and difficulties in the struggle. They always maintain a highly militant fighting spirit, jump to take advantage of any opportunity to advance the struggle. The revolutionary has the mark of initiative. They are full of initiative, not only in the performance of their own tasks and duties, but also in any other problem that they see and are capable of handling too. The revolutionaries are always ready to fulfill their tasks and duties. They accept every task directed to them without measuring the value and or the difficulty and sacrifice necessary to fulfill them. They do not pick and choose the work because they do not seek fame or convenience for themselves. 6. What is the correct view to hardship, sacrifice, and death? The revolutionary has recognition that hardship, sacrifice, and death are an inevitable part of the liberation of the people. It is a natural part of the violent struggle between the people and the ruling classes. It is also a natural part of the revolution to overthrow the dominance of U.S. imperialism, feudalism, and bureaucrat capitalism. They are not only natural, they are necessary in order to fight for and protect the interests of the people and the revolution. These are needed in order to wipe out oppression and exploitation, and to establish a genuine, free, democratic society. The revolutionary is always ready to face hardship, make sacrifices, and even death for the sake of struggle. The revolutionary sacrifice is significant because it is for the success of the revolution. They know that sooner or later the long-awaited and long-hoped freedom shall be seen within the horizon. In the midst of danger and crisis, the revolutionary's readiness to make sacrifice and face death provides the strength and courage to protect the interests of the people and the revolution. In times of difficulties and crisis, the revolutionary never forgets the bright future aimed for in the struggle, and for which hardships and sacrifice are made. Any crisis and hardship must never hamper the perspective, nor weaken the confidence, because they are steps toward genuine freedom and democracy for the people. Revolutionaries are courageous, but they avoid unnecessary sacrifice. They don't just jump into the face of danger for the simple reason that they're ready and willing to die. They value and take care of the safety and well-being of the masses, fellow revolutionaries, and of themselves. 7. Why is the death of someone serving the people heavier than a mountain, and the death of those serving the enemy lighter than a feather? 
The death of a revolutionary is a weighty death. A revolutionary can die in several ways. In combat, from a disease or sickness, accident or old age. But it's not the manner of death that is decisive in the character of their death. More than anything, the weight of their death is measured by their wholehearted dedication to the people, their tireless efforts to serve the masses and advance the revolution. On the other hand, the death of someone serving the enemy has no honor. It's lighter than a feather. Because their life is dedicated to the exploiters and the oppressors, they have killed their humanity and thrown away their honor. For the exploited and oppressed masses, any death in the service of the enemy is looked down upon. 8. What is the correct attitude towards victories? In the face of victories, it is important to guard against pride and arrogance. Always remain humble and never become intoxicated in victory. Always keep in mind the long road ahead and avoid complacency, rushing, or leniency. 9. What is the correct view of the masses? The masses are the foundation for achieving any revolutionary goal. It is with their inherent intelligence and strength that a society advances and progresses. The masses are the well of undefeatable power against any foe or force hindering change. To achieve freedom, democracy, and progress, it is a must to rely on and trust the masses. The revolutionary acknowledges and carries a great accountability and responsibility to the masses. It is their duty to uphold the interest of the masses, to foster firm unity with the masses, and to encourage them toward revolutionary change. The revolutionary upholds the national and democratic aspirations of the masses through their diligent and responsible integration amongst the masses, and their participation in their struggles. They are patient in explaining and raising the consciousness of the masses. They are tireless in helping the masses to organize and take action to solve their problems and to fight their enemies. The revolutionary is well known as a genuine servant of and one with the masses. They pay attention even to the small day-to-day -day needs and problems of the masses. In consistently upholding the national and democratic interest of the masses, the revolutionary builds the strong and unbreakable unity between the revolutionaries who are serving and the masses who are being served. The revolutionary values and gives utmost significance to this unity. They always strive to unite with and be close to the masses. They use all the opportunity to be amongst the masses, to work and learn from them. They strictly avoid anything that violates the interest of the masses, or any abuse of their kindness, because such hinders the unity between the revolution and the masses. 10. How do revolutionaries treat fellow revolutionaries? A revolutionary is always seeking unity with their fellow revolutionaries. They are loving and thoughtful toward their comrades. Unity with and thoughtful treatment of revolutionaries is important in building and strengthening the unity and strength of the revolutionary ranks. Revolutionaries have outstanding practice in uniting and teaching each other. A revolutionary always unites with her or his comrades, even if they don't know each other very well, or they don't share the same opinions, or they have made errors but are willing to rectify them. Insignificant misunderstandings can easily be set aside or can be overcome because the revolutionary always gives importance to unity. Their understanding of the conditions of their comrades and their effort to work and become a better revolutionary is always a priority. A revolutionary is thoughtful and loving towards their comrades. They always help every comrade to fulfill their duties and tasks and in resolving their problems, including personal ones. They help and give support to their comrades to forge themselves in the midst of the struggle. The joys and struggles of their comrades are also the joys and struggles of every revolutionary. 11. What is the correct view towards criticism and self-criticism? 
Weaknesses and shortcomings are a common occurrence in the flow of a revolutionary. Oftentimes they are results of a lack of experience or are products of wrong mindset and undesirable traits still left within us. However, the revolutionary is always ready to overcome them in order to further firmly uphold the national democratic interests of the people. The revolutionary is always ready to criticize their own weaknesses and mistakes. They are open to criticisms, and whatever is correct and whatever is good for the people is always placed above everything else. They don't refuse, nor do they doubt the need to rectify their weaknesses and mistakes. They are always ready to remold themselves in order to continue serving the people. Criticism and self-criticism is an effective process that is needed to correct the mistakes and overcome weaknesses. It is needed to further strengthen unity between the revolutionary ranks and between revolutionaries and the masses. Through criticism, weaknesses and mistakes can be identified and rooted out. In that way, we learn from our mistakes in order to avoid them in the future. Criticisms must always be comradely and in accordance to the spirit of cure the sickness to save the patient. Criticism should not be made into an occasion for personal attacks or revenge. Criticisms should be focused on the most important ideological, political, and organizational matters only. Criticism and self-criticism must be conducted regularly. It ensures that our work is always analyzed, continues to improve our work, maintains and further strengthens our unity, and we are always united and close to the masses. 12. What is internationalism? At the current stage of imperialism, the people of various nations around the world are also suffering from unabated oppression and exploitation from the hands of the imperialists. It is very important, therefore, for the unity and cooperation of the peoples of different countries to struggle against imperialism and all reactions. This is internationalism. It is our task as Filipino revolutionaries to liberate our country from U.S. imperialism, feudalism, and bureaucrat capitalism. The advancement of the Filipino revolution especially its victory, helps to weaken imperialism around the world. Thus, it contributes to the advancement of the struggle of the people in other countries. At the same time, people of other countries who also struggle against imperialism and other reaction also helps us. Revolutionaries always think of fulfilling their revolutionary work, not only for their own country, but also for the billions of masses exploited all over the world. Through this perspective, patriotism and nationalism, love for one's own country, is correctly linked to internationalism. It is different from narrow patriotism or narrow nationalism, where they only give importance to the interest of their own country, and only see other countries and other people from the point of view of self-benefit and advantage. It is our internationalist duty to advance the two-stage Philippine Revolution. The destruction of U.S. imperialist power and local ruling classes in the Philippines shall be our biggest contribution to the dismantling of the reign of imperialism and other oppressive and exploiting classes around the world. Our internationalist duty doesn't end with the victory of our democratic revolution. Upon the seizure of political power, it is our internationalist duty to consolidate it, the establishment of a democratic people's state, and the launch of a socialist revolution. We also need to strengthen the unity with the people of other countries and continue to cooperate with revolutionary and anti-imperialist movements and organizations in other nations. 13. What are the wrong thinking and attitudes that harm the interest of the revolution and the masses? How can it be changed? For this part, read and discuss all the parts of the article Combat Liberalism and On Correcting Mistaken Ideas in the Party. I'll put links to those in the video description and a pinned comment. A. What is liberalism and why should we need to combat against it? 
Liberalism is the rejection or avoidance of active ideological struggle. It rejects and avoids the clarification of what are correct revolutionary ideas, policies, and actions, and which ones are incorrect and non-revolutionary. Rejection or avoidance to uphold what is correct and repudiate the wrong. We must combat liberalism because it is incorrect and it destroys the principled unity of the revolutionary ranks. Instead, it upholds unprincipled peace, the existence and propagation of incorrect and non-revolutionary ideas, policies, and actions. Overall, the unity within the rank of the revolutionaries is firm, particularly the basic principles of the revolution. However, at various instances, especially if related to particular policies and day-to-day -day activity, the wrong ideas and actions crop up. It is only a reflection of the existence of struggle in lines, of correct and incorrect, and having limitations and weaknesses among the revolutionary ranks. Every revolutionary must guard against such weaknesses and errors. Every revolutionary has a duty to always uphold and strive for what is correct, struggle against wrong ideas, and criticize to rectify the wrong actions. This is what we call active ideological struggle. Only through this manner can we raise and strengthen the principled unity within our ranks. B. What are the types of liberalism? Liberalism manifests through the following thinking and habits. 1. Letting wrong things slide refraining from principled argument because the comrade is a close friend, or to touch on the matter lightly instead of going into it thoroughly, so as to keep on good terms. 2. Indulging in irresponsible criticism in private, instead of actively putting forward one's suggestions to the organization, saying nothing to people's faces, but gossiping behind their backs, or to say nothing at a meeting, but to gossip afterwards, showing no regard at all for the principles of collective life, but following one's own inclination. 3. Letting things drift if they do not affect one personally, to say as little as possible while knowing perfectly well what is wrong, to be worldly wise and play safe and seek only to avoid blame. 4. Disobeying orders, but to give pride of place to one's own opinions, demanding special consideration from the organization but rejecting its discipline. 5. Indulging in personal attacks, picking quarrels, venting personal spite, or seeking revenge instead of entering into an argument and struggling against incorrect views for the sake of unity or progress, or getting the work done properly. 6. Hearing incorrect views without rebutting them, and even to hear counter-revolutionary remarks without reporting them, but instead to take them in calmly, as if nothing had happened. 7. Being among the masses and failing to conduct propaganda and agitation, or speak at meetings or conduct investigations and inquiries among them and instead to be indifferent to them, and to show no concern for their well-being, forgetting that one is a communist, and behaving as if one were an ordinary non-communist. 8. Seeing someone harming the interests of the masses, and yet not feeling indignant, or dissuading or stopping them, or reasoning with them, but allowing them to continue. 9. Working half-heartedly, without a definite plan or direction, to work perfunctorily, and muddle along. As the saying goes, so long as one remains a monk, one goes on tolling the bell. 10. Regarding oneself as having rendered great service to the revolution to pride oneself on being a veteran, to disdain minor assignments while being quite unequal to major tasks, to be slipshod in work and slack in study. 11. Being aware of one's own mistakes and yet making no attempt to correct them, taking a liberal attitude toward oneself. C. How do you combat liberalism? Like Rust, Liberalism must be scraped to the core, 
like a bad weed, it can only be combated by pulling it out by the roots. Liberalism is rooted in selfishness, in placing oneself above the welfare of the revolution and the interest of the majority. It is the root of rejecting active ideological struggle. Like the examples of liberalism, rejecting ideological struggle stems from the desire to maintain peace even if it is not principled. Usually this desire is not only to avoid hurting others, instead it is to avoid hurting self-interest. I won't criticize you, so don't criticize or bother me. To thoroughly combat liberalism, selfishness must be rejected and uphold the interest of the revolution or the majority of exploited and oppressed masses. We must stand for revolutionary principles and actively fight against all wrong ideas, actions, and tendencies. Every revolutionary must cultivate and uphold the spirit of selflessness. The mind must be broadened to see and embrace the even broader interest of the people, and not only self-interest. Thus there is no doubt nor second thought in pursuing ideological struggle, and the strongest and most principled unity will be built. D. What is the purely militarist viewpoint? Where is it coming from, and how can it be corrected? Purely militarist is the viewpoint of separation and clashing of politics and military. It refuses to subordinate the military work and other issues as part of political work. It considers the view that the people's army is only a fighting force and refuses to do other tasks such as propaganda, mass work, production, etc. toward the revolution. It fails to realize that the people's army is the primary instrument in achieving the political goals and objectives of the revolution. Purely military viewpoint is born from lack of understanding and appreciation of political leadership over the people's army. It is also from the lack of understanding that, in essence, the people's army is different from the reactionary army, primarily based on the politics that it serves and upholds. Therefore, the purely militarist viewpoint can only be corrected through the raising of ideological and political awareness, conducting criticism and self-criticism, and discussion of military issues that show the correct relationship to politics. E. What is ultra-democracy and violation of organizational discipline, and how can it be corrected? Ultra-democracy is giving too much importance or insistence on democracy without the guiding principles of the organization. It means that there is no consideration, or there is hesitation, if not outright violation of the principles, policies, rules, or decisions of the organization. Examples of ultra-democratic thinking include democratic centralism from the bottom to the top and all matters must be discussed first from the lower units before the higher units can make a decision. Violation of organizational discipline can be seen from the following. 1. The minority's refusal to follow the majority. Not following the majority can also be seen through the lack of seriousness in implementing the decisions, if not outright refusal to implement. 2. Giving criticisms without giving consideration to organizational discipline. It comes in the form of personal or unprincipled criticisms or attacks, or that such criticisms or attacks are made outside of meetings or outside of the organization. Ultra-democracy destroys unity and weakens the organization. It is deeply rooted to petty bourgeois selfishness or individualism and rejection of discipline. Other than this, if the leadership is weak and organizational discipline is loose, it creates the condition for ultra-democracy and violation of discipline to exist. To correct this, the petty bourgeois selfishness or individualism and rejection of organizational discipline must be uprooted. It can be done through education and active ideological struggle. The spirit of selflessness and subordinating self-interest to the interest of the whole must be upheld. 
The importance of the organization and the discipline within must be clear to the membership. It is also important to clarify how centralism is guided by democracy within the organization and how centralism is based on democracy. In the organizational field, it is important to make the leadership very efficient and strengthen democratic centralism. The leadership must always ensure that they have a strong relationship to the lower units and the membership of the organization, that their ideas are considered, and that there is an effective flow of communication between them. At any level, every decision should be a result of thorough thinking and thorough discussion. F. What is individualism, and how can it be corrected? Individualism is completely taking care of one's own welfare, while the welfare of the organization and the revolution are either made subordinate or set aside. Other than ultra-democracy and violation of organizational discipline, individualist tendencies can also be exemplified through the following forms. Revenge, small group mentality, employee mentality, seeking pleasure, passivity or lack of enthusiasm, desire to take a break, and separate kingdoms. Because individualism mirrors the petty bourgeois and bourgeois thinking inside the revolutionary movement, ideological correction is the primary measure for correctness. Every single member must identify non-proletarian ideas and habits in implementing revolutionary tasks, as well as for the interest of the broad masses and the people. Alongside, it is also important to conduct discussion, tasking, and the implementation of discipline according to the correct procedure to ensure the efficient response to the needs of the forces. G. What is absolute egalitarianism, or absolute equality, and how can this be corrected? The thinking in absolute egalitarianism is the refusal to recognize that different individuals and units inside the organization have different conditions, capabilities, and needs. It asserts the absolute equality of everyone at all times, in setting tasks, in the disposition of comrades, and in allocating resources. It does not correspond to concrete conditions, capabilities, and needs, and it prevents the forging of unity and the advancement of the revolution. Although at first glance it appears that equality is desired, the hidden motive of absolute egalitarians is the selfish apprehension that they may be shortchanged by others. For as long as capitalism is not vanquished and the bourgeoisie is not completely defeated, absolute egalitarianism remains the illusion of peasants and small proprietors. To correct this kind of thinking, it must be clarified to the revolutionary ranks that the distribution of material needs and tasks are primarily set by the concrete needs in the struggle. In the ideological field, it is important to clarify that it is impossible to have absolute equality. This is true not only under the capitalist and semi-feudal system, but even under socialism. H. What is subjectivism, and how can it be corrected? Subjectivism is the outlook of looking at things one-sidedly, not based on concrete reality, but on wrong supposition. Subjectivism is already forming conclusions, even with a lack of investigation. Subjectivism is having a wrong analysis, and having wrongly formed conclusions. Subjectivism the lack of investigation and wrong analysis, all result in wrong policies and decisions. An example of this is the giving of importance or magnifying certain personal weaknesses without properly contextualizing it or connecting it to political and organizational work. Subjectivism is rooted in non-scientific and non-proletarian outlook and ways of thinking. It harms the organization because it results in wrong policies and decisions. It also results in unprincipled struggle that weakens the organization. To combat this, it is necessary to promote and uphold the proletarian scientific outlook and method, 
and repudiate bourgeois and petty bourgeois outlook and ways of thinking. It is necessary to study diligently in conducting investigation and analysis, particularly social investigation and class analysis. I. What are remnants of putschism and the ideology of roving rebel bands, and how can these be corrected? The remnants of putschism and ideology of roving rebel bands are both non-proletarian thinking that enforces lack of discipline, laziness in political and production work, and unruly actions in the people's army. Remnants of putschism in particular create adventurous and destructive actions within the people's army. They're both destructive in building unities within the people's army and between the people's army and the masses. Remnants of putschism can be seen through disorganized actions, lack of discipline, burning or looting properties, hurting the masses and comrades, and hurting the prisoners. The ideology of roving rebel bands, on the other hand, shows through loose discipline, avoiding mass work, seeking pleasure and recreation. For example, instead of conducting propaganda and helping out with the day-to-day -day needs of the masses, they would rather go to wealthier or fun-to-be-with types of masses to have fun and enjoy their company. Remnants of putschism are rooted in lumpen proletarian and petty bourgeois backgrounds. The ideology of roving rebel bands, on the other hand, is rooted in the mindset of semi-proletarians and roving lumpen proletarians, vagabonds. To correct these, it is important to reject their class roots. It can be accomplished through education and active ideological struggle, as well as through joining or doing integration with the People's Army. J. What are other kinds of incorrect thinking that can be cited, according to our own experiences, and how do we combat them? So this section is left open. It's intended for discussion. And so on that note, I'm going to turn it over to you in the comments section. What have you, listening, done to combat liberalism within yourself, to bring this kind of spirit into your revolutionary work. Tell us about it, and we'll continue that discussion in the comments section. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we will continue with lessons two, three, and four in the near future. In the meantime, thanks to the patrons whose names are on the screen. If you'd like to get your name on the screen, head to patreon.com slash socialismforall. I would make some kind of content even if nobody paid, but I'm able to spend a lot more time on it due to that support, so I really appreciate that. If you like this channel, thank a patron and consider becoming one yourself. Beyond that, engagement counts, so like, share, subscribe. That helps YouTube to recommend this content to more people. You can leave any kind of comment. Obviously, something directly related to the video and thoughtful and considerate is great. Otherwise, even just thanks, good video, or some random letters for the algorithm is perfectly acceptable as well. Otherwise, we're going to leave it there for right now. A lot of food for thought here about revolutionary organizing. So I don't think too much else needs to be said for the moment. So thanks again, and we will see you in the next video.